Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Sheila and Jesse. We recorded this last week over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. There are some minor audio issues on my guest's end this week, nothing that will detract from your enjoyment or that will be unpleasant to listen to. Their recording source just changes a few times throughout the episode. Just wanted to give you a heads up. There's nothing wrong with their headphones or speakers, and I really don't think you'll mind. You'll get used to it right away. This episode is brought to you in part by my dear friends at Earful of Fiddle, who want to let you know about a special event coming this Saturday, April 24th. Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp presents Earful in the Parlor 2, a day-long virtual festival of sound and gesture to support touring artists and bring traditional arts into your homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. Earful in the Parlor 2 streams this Saturday, April 24th, from noon until midnight, EDT, on Zoom. Performers include past guests of Get Up in the Cool, Jake Blunt, The Vox Hunters, Betsy and Clark, Ruby John, Nick Garris, and many more. Proceeds will go directly to the artists. For tickets, visit earfuloffiddle.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. Make sure to stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Sheila and Jesse. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sheila and Jesse, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. <laughs> I'm obsessed with twin fiddling. 
<laughs> Especially like couple twin fiddling. <laughs> Not to like fetishize what you're doing or anything, but it's just like it's the best. <laughs> I know. Uh, right before we started, um, we were talking about you know how, like whether or not to fill space during during tuning uh, for the recording. You're like, oh, don't worry. Like we just like keep it really quiet. Um, we don't like talk. We just like kind of. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you mean you're gonna like stare in each other's eyes while you tune? Like it's the best. <laughs> Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, it's not quite like that when we <laughs> when no, we, when we feel fill space. Part, like, yeah, more, <laughs> more like we're staring off into the distance while we tune. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is nice to be a couple that fiddles together. I, well, you know, any any duo that fiddles together so much is sort of like with. When you have like two singers and you get to take in each other's phrasing and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think as a fiddle player, I'm like a more adaptive person, kind of. Like I really enjoy or like thrive off of attempting to play off of the group. And Jesse is such um, an like established in his fiddle style that mm. I, I think I find myself often trying to like. Um, when technically possible for like the technique that I do have, I try to kind of mimic yours sort of when we're doing, <laughs> when we're doing just double fiddle. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's super cool because, um, you know, and something that I think we feel lucky about is that, you know, to be somebody who plays a lot with another person, then it kind of like, you know, you kind of have an evolution into into your own playing because you know you start to see deeper into somebody else's playing when you spend so much time playing with them you know and so then you can kind of catch on details and things that you probably are not going to catch if you just you know see different players even several times in a year like at different festivals or jams yeah. or something yeah and so you know we a lot of these tunes that we play nowadays are just tunes that we never actually, actually, you know, like sat down and like hashed out very much. They were just, you know, we just played them so much with each other. They just kind of morphed into all these different things, you know, <laughs> and I've, I've always had so much fun doing that. And um, yeah, it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you know, being a couple, I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> so it's good to it, spend a lot of time together. I guess we yeah. could be just roommates, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roommates that pick a lot of teams. That's <laughs> Sheila and Jesse roommates. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you two been... Uh, been roommates <laughs> or been fiddling together? <laughs> well, we've been... We've known each other for like four years now. Yeah. And we've been... We started dating pretty soon after. Yeah, yeah. So we've been together for about, yeah, just about three and a half years or so. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we met, uh, the timeline is we met the weekend before Wintergrass. <laughs> and then I came back and we started going on hikes. And then it was, started planning for summer festivals. And I was like, do you want to just go on? on like a little festival tour yeah we basically yeah and we all knew each other for a couple months and he was down yeah yeah we went, we basically started out going on a music tour together yeah and, and so i guess close like staying in a car for two months and we still liked each other and yeah, yeah, that was a good that was a good way to get to know each other pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. Um, go on a tour with someone before you make start making big life decisions. <laughs> you learn specific things about people when yeah, you do that. Yeah, you definitely I think do. It was an efficient way to test <laughs> to test compatible compatible. Yeah, yeah, test yeah. some limits there. <laughs> yeah, because you're because you're you're making decisions together, like like when to get gas and where and mm -hmm. like what kind of snacks you want, which are just like <laughs> those yeah. those 
are so much more important. Those decisions, like day to day, for like sanity, like when you're partnered with someone. <laughs> I know. Than, it, like, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was weird. I know. We we were. I know at the time we were like, man, we are weirdly in sync on a lot of these things, you know, like we're liking all the, all these kinds of same things, you know, and like approaching the traveling the same and stuff. I think like a knowing, (laughs) a telling thing is like after you've been at like at a camp that maybe after so many days gets uncomfortable, like maybe if you've been at Weezer and you're just like hot and tired yeah, and then... I was uncomfortable day one at Weezer. I know. It's uncomfortable. It's like the upper, upper 90 degrees. So it's like yeah. a dry heat. It's like crazy. Your interactions yeah. for tearing down the campsite that last day. Yeah. I think yeah. reveals a lot about Tests you. Tests a couple. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I am tempted to like just lay there and have someone fix my tent for me, but yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do that if I wanted you to like me. So. Yeah, that wouldn't be the greatest impression. I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> well, some people are just so excited to be helpful that they're like, at, at least let me do the tent. <laughs> yeah, I know that's the Don't thing. Like, but yeah, a lot of the, at a lot of those places, you could probably just get away with that. You know, just lay there and let people do it for you. It happens. <laughs> get some bad habits. So, so Jesse, earlier Sheila said that uh, she's she's more adapting her style to match your style. And I, I was just like curious. Do you, do you think that that's true, or do you feel like you, it's going both ways? I think it is going both ways. Yeah, like like before I met Sheila, like I wasn't even into old time music or anything. So um, okay, yeah, like I guess I guess I don't know. Maybe Texas style fiddling does count as old time. It's there's always like these these gray lines surrounding genres that yeah. I'm never quite picking up on. But I think. Um, you know, I, I played Texas style fiddling, but at that time I was just playing in like a lot of bands and just trying to get gigs. And so I was just playing whatever I could basically. And uh, so, yeah, it was after I met Sheila um, and we we attended some of those fiddle festivals like fiddle tunes and stuff. That was when I actually started getting into old time fiddling and, mm. and these, these different uh, subsets okay. of it. Yeah. So, I've so def- Sheila, we're... Were you playing? How long were you, had you been playing old time music before? Before you two met, um, really only a couple years or a few years. I've only been, I guess, studying or like playing seriously or trying to really understand. Maybe I don't know American folk music for. I don't know, maybe like seven years or eight years or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Because um, I started playing classical when I was growing up just because I liked the fiddle or I liked the violin. And um, and it wasn't until after college that I saw people bringing out their instruments and jamming to, you know, John Prine at, at you know, a campfire or whatever. And I guess that is what... Um, drew me eventually to to fiddle music and I think when I moved to Seattle um, I fell in with some friends pretty quickly and we sort of we formed a band and started exploring like early bluegrass and early country Mm. and that's what kind of started making me look at some old-time music but it wasn't until i left seattle and moved to bozeman montana where that where i didn't have like a bluegrass crew anymore Uh and so i needed a way to play fiddle by myself (laughs) and so that's how i got into like really um exploring old-time fiddle music because i needed something that i could that sounded nice by itself, like solo fiddle. Yeah. Um, Solitary old time. Yeah. yeah, like, I don't know, like, you can't really practice. You can, but, like, it's not a complete, to me, it feels like not a complete package to be, like, 
practicing a bluegrass solo by yourself. Like, yeah, you need the sure. context of more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wanted something as a whole, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and obviously, fiddle sounds better with another fiddle or banjo or more stuff, but you can play it by yourself and feel complete. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, um, I guess we could say, like, it takes a special kind of person <laughs> to just, like, practice uh, bluegrass or any sort of solo or, like, transcriptions by themselves for, uh, and have that be a musically sort of fulfilling and sustainable yeah. time. Yeah. Where, like, for, for so long before they start, like, actually playing with other people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I'm acting like I didn't have friends in Bozeman and my old roommates might watch your watch this and be like hey <laughs> hey what about us <laughs> oh yeah that was also that was something that also intrigued me about old time music is uh is the solo aspect we once we started like getting into a lot of different players especially the the early old time players there were just a bunch of these like solo recordings of them playing tunes and i was like well this is kind of unusual for me to just hear people playing solo tunes you know and uh you know like in texas style music it's just so common to play with a guitar all the time you know mm -hmm. or something like that so what do you want to play next all right uh we're gonna play a new five cent piece oh good <laughs> oh, um, I guess, re real quick, what was that first tune? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's, so, that one's a new one for me. Yeah, so that was one we wrote um, that uh, that appeared on... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's called Grace and Dervishes, and uh, we just recorded it recently with some of our friends. Um, we recorded an album, and... Uh, the where the band that we're calling that we put together with Elizabeth Laprell and Brian Dolphin and Carl Jones, um, it's it, we're calling it the Wolf Pup String Band. And so yeah, that's uh, that's what we just recorded, and yeah. What a what a great lineup! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great group to work with, and we had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. oh. It was a really fun recording session. Yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> so, Grace and the Dervishes. Yeah, so we're excited about it. Well, we live in Grayson County. Yeah, we live in the Grayson County, and uh, and actually, uh, we kind of got the idea because. Uh, our friend Aaron Marshall told us that it reminded her of a certain dance, and so we were like, "Oh!" And so they called Grace and Dervishes. <laughs> how, did you, how did you land on Dervishes this time? Oh, I guess. Uh, well, we have some paintings in our house. We've got some are, Persian art. Yeah, we have some Persian art in our house, and uh, I don't know. It just kind of came to mind, I guess. <laughs> yeah, isn't it like a like a, a Sufi spinning? Mm -hmm. Religious yeah. dance. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Uh, um, yeah, and so that's what our art mm -hmm. is. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. There it is. Um, cool. So, new five cent piece. Yeah. <laughs> great. Get into next. <laughs> Do some new five cent piece. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. 
man. I love seconding. <laughs> it's it's so exciting. Uh, how do you two decide? I can't necessarily tell over the Skype call who's seconding when. Are you both like taking turns going back and forth, or is one of you doing more of the harmonies or rhythmic variation, and one person stays on the melody? How how do you divide that up? Mm. I would say Jesse does like ninety percent of the harmonic uh, variations. Yeah, I would say uh, yeah. I tend to venture out quite a bit <laughs> when I have the chance. <laughs> Rhythmic variations are a free for all. Whoever wants. Yeah, to yeah. We both do a lot of rhythmic stuff. And I, I like to have like. I don't know, confines for like my, more confines for like the variations that I throw in. And I like to have things that I feel like he can do more harmonic variations and I won't get in the way of sure. what I imagine the harmony should be. Yeah. Jesse thinks like any harmony is fine. Yeah, I don't I'll... really feel that way. <laughs> and so I like to, <laughs> um, I like to have more rules i don't know it's more fun for me to have certain yeah to play within yeah and it's also a cool balance i think between like um you know having that kind of base and then that we're always kind of coming back to yeah. and then we kind of we can kind of play around that which is you know that's that's nothing new you know it's it's, it's a, a lot of music kind of revolves around that idea but it's but it's super cool to play around with you know yeah, I guess after we also play a tune so many times in a row, we get a feel for like mm, which which trick gets pulled out. Yeah. I guess, and and you can work with that too. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. Like the a lot of these tunes are a little bit like we mentioned earlier. It's kind of you know we'll try something at a certain point and then that'll probably stick with us you know and then but then a new thing will pop up and then we'll like that and, and so it's kind of a puzzle piece that keeps building you know and uh, so we you know it kind of expands into more options all the time you, you know you threw in a new one today that i hadn't heard before oh that yeah excited <laughs> get up in the cool exclusive yeah i always think it's interesting watching um fiddlers when they're playing a tune that can be dropped the octave to see how long it takes them before they're ready to jump down yeah i think i think you can like learn a lot about a fiddler by like <laughs> like oh yeah when are you, <laughs> you could draw a lot of conclusions about them you know yes. like is it the second time <laughs> usually it's not but often it's like the third time they're like i'm ready to move on but then sometimes yeah They'll play it that way if you know for a number of minutes, and then all of a sudden they jump down the octave, and you're like, <gasps> "Yeah, <laughs> you, you can play it down there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the old time Sherlock Holmes deduction. <laughs> Everybody's like, "When when are you gonna drop down?" <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's something that I find cool about uh, old time music as well, like. Like, they could, there's kind of like um, traditions of like exploring or expanding tunes, and I found like the octave uh, was one of those, you know, that so many people employ that I got excited about because even though I'd I'd thought about it, um, you know, kind of unconsciously a lot through the years, I, I think that uh, you know when I started so, hearing so many traditional fiddlers in this area do it. Um, it got me thinking about how I could start employing that more, you know, consciously. So that was pretty fun. Um, let's do another tune. And then I want to ask you, Jesse, about Texas fiddling and how maybe that's influenced your approach to old time. Yeah. Because that's yeah, a, good. a genre I'm not super familiar with. But first, what do you want to play? Yeah. Um, so we're going to tune down to standard here and then... Uh, we're gonna play. You wanna do going down to Georgia O? Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. 
Good double tag. <laughs> <laughs> we had a close call there with the tight quarters. <laughs> oh, man, I almost took your eye out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Luckily, I had my eye closed, so <laughs> I was, I was good. That one saved you? I don't know. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, felt a gla- I felt some glance off my headphone yeah. there, actually. <laughs> Well, that's what that's what happens when you play a fast old time tune. The bow can get out a little out of control there. Just a little, just a little too wild. For so, um, Texas fiddling. Yeah. Uh, when did that start? For actually, you? actually, I think started. I think that's where I started from day one. Actually, I want to say uh, because what happened uh, when I when I got started out fiddle playing, um, we were in. I was living in Montana. That's where I'm from, mm. uh, and uh, uh, there was a group there in the valley who were fiddle players, and uh, that group played mostly Texas style fiddle. They had like a fiddle competition in the valley. And so, yeah, all those students would play in the fiddle competition. And uh, at a lot of those fiddle competitions out West, uh, the primary yeah. the primary style is Texas style. And so, yeah, I got started learning the fiddle and my brother played the fiddle. And so I, I wanted to play because he was playing it. I was, I was at my imitation stage at that time. And, uh, so I, yeah, I picked it up and started learning the Texas style repertoire so I could start competing in some of the fiddle competitions and things. And, that was, and so I, I went on to do that for years and I, I'd go to like Weezer every year and play in that contest. And I played, I played in uh, a lot of different Texas style contests around the country. Um, one I really like in Nashville that's super cool is the Grand Masters and uh, there's the Texas State Contest and yeah, there's a lot of big ones that people will come from all over the world to and so that's kind of where I, you know, uh, I guess developed my technique and things was just taking lessons from a lot of different Texas style players who are really good. And and they take and they they took like technique and stuff pretty seriously because they want to win, right? And sure. So people are really competitive in that field, and so um, and of course, as a as a young as a younger player, you know that 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 really strikes a chord, I think, with younger players to get them motivated, and and it did me, you know, it motivated me a lot to practice and things. So um, yeah, that was that yeah. Was kinda... It's interesting that the genre is competition like that's yeah. the genre like yeah. there's texas fiddling <laughs> yeah and then there's texas contest fiddling yeah and there are people that put all their eggs in in that basket they're like i'm everything i'm learning is so that i can like compete yeah yeah and, and yeah they take it really serious and they're in weezer and different things really developed into really big events you know and so yeah i think it's it it was it was a cool development and something that's uh helped me a lot you know and i met i met a lot of great players by being in that uh being in that crowd <laughs> uh as an outsider to texas fiddling it's a nice style for because you started when you were, you were like three and yeah. it's a nice style wow. for kids growing up and it's a nice style for um it's just like a really violinistic style and a lot of people develop this really great technique and become like really great players in other styles if they choose to um explore beyond just like contest style fiddling yeah yeah it's like a, a really good gateway style yeah. to, to learn because you can pick up a lot of uh nice technique and like a, a lot of ideas that'll help you in any in any other styles like they you know you do a lot of improvisation that style and you you know focus a lot on rhythm and groove stuff and you know and it and and it kind of draws that out of you because the competition draws it out of you you know and so you want to kind of develop all those things and so it's like if i if i didn't have that would I have spent a lot of time with a metronome, you know? Would I have spent a lot of time, like, working on my pitches? Would I, right. I, I don't know. I, maybe I would have. I don't know. But I think the competition made it easier to do that, you know? But also, like... Especially the, as a young kid. Like, the, the idiom of the style. Like, there's so... Like, all the left-hand 
phrase all the left hand patterns and phrasing that comes out is yeah. like really technically demanding and like really interesting and like just yeah makes you really work your hands yeah exactly it's it's it is technically demanding yeah it's it's the way that people talk about classical training except for classical training is training you to do a specific thing and it sort of seems like sometimes when I hear about classical violinists learning how to play old-time fiddle music, they talk about all these things that they have to unlearn. And it sort of seems like you're kind of, like you said, it's a gateway style. You're preparing, uh, you're using all the rigor of like classical yeah. training, but you're applying it to values uh, that are m more in line with different folk musics yeah exactly um i think that it's you know it puts an emphasis on things that are really usable in everything you know mm. and so even though it doesn't go like super in depth on improvisation or it doesn't go super in depth on like you know left hand technique it goes in depth enough that it really like lifts your ability you know and sure so i think that's pretty that, that i think that's been really helpful for me did you have to did you have to unlearn anything uh in texas fiddling in order mm. to play different regions of like old time music that may or may not be competition oriented honestly i kind of uh i feel like sometimes i kind of miss uh like sometimes i will be like too perfection minded you know where i'm like where i'm like oh this doesn't have to matter that much you know that i'm sure that i that i you know miss this string or whatever you know because because when you hear a lot of the great old time players it's they, they kind of have they kind of have like a target in mind and it's not so like uh it's not like you know as long as they as long as they get at that thing it's not as um you know like um the artifacts that come up from loosely aiming at something actually end up like yeah yeah re yeah it reminds mm. me of like a, yeah it reminds me of like an impressionist painter or something you know like they have a, they sure have a, they have a way of, of showing something um that's not so detailed but it's still super cool you know maybe even maybe even more interesting than than the one yeah. than the stuff that's detailed and so that that's that's what reminded me of uh, with those early old time fiddle players. And so I'm still trying to incorporate more of that into what I'm doing. And, huh. and Texas style makes it a little bit difficult to do that because if you do those sorts of things, you're probably not going to win, you know, and that's, and that's a big part of, of sure. playing Texas sure. style, you know, um, you're talking about like Boeing artifacts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a lot of the, the Boeing grooves and, um, no yeah even like note choices though oh. and all yeah all kinds of things and and like the crooked forms as well you know like when i'm listening to sure a lot of the early old time players play forms you know you can tell like they're not even sure what the form is while they're playing and it's that's actually cool you know that makes <laughs> that makes the yeah. tune even better in a sense and so but yeah as i said yeah it's a texas style player that's weird you know or like it's you know it's it kind of you want to break out of that you know that's that squareness i guess <laughs> yeah i guess it would be a, a particular challenge to um to gesture at an idea um when you know that you can just accomplish that idea exactly and yeah but like there's something about mm -hmm. the effortful kind of sound of someone with less technical agency on their instrument that gives the music the and I and I think this is a sometimes a fraught or problematic way that people talk about old time music, uh, but it gives the music its soul. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I think there's something true about it. But like, um, <laughs> I mean, it's always funny going to Clifftop every year and um, hearing everyone talk about the contest because it's like, what are we even doing here? <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. what <laughs> metrics are you know? That, I think that's like one of the metrics is like. <laughs> you know soul or expression or something like that and it's like yeah how old time is this and it's like <laughs> yeah i know like how do you measure that you know <laughs> i don't know yeah it's uh yeah i think when it comes to to playing in contests it's you know 
it's just yeah so much opinion you know it's hard to say really um, yeah <laughs> so so Sheila did you have to unlearn anything going from playing bluegrass to playing solo uh, old time fiddle in Bozeman um when you weren't with all your best friends in Bozeman. <laughs> all my best friends roommates. Um, yeah. I, um, I guess the way that I have been approaching old time music is more of um, not... I do spend a lot of time like studying old recordings and stuff and new recordings of people that I admire. Um, but, um, I mostly am just looking to this music as a way to express myself. And I think the way that when you move to a new place, you don't try to switch your accent. I don't really try to switch, um, yeah. like, yeah, I don't really try to switch my tone accent. And part of that is because I guess early on and as as I was studying this and I, I would try to copy accents, yeah. I I couldn't. <laughs> it's really hard to do. And um and then I thought about it some more and I was like, I'm not exactly sure why why I'm trying to do that. Um because I think that um the tone that I have I I guess I'm proud of what I um, developed when I was a kid and I, I'm a little bit attached to my tone and also I think that mm. my tone is also kind of versatile and it still lends itself um, to the old time music and then also just like from all the old, from practicing so much old time music and listening to it and studying it um, you just kind of inherently end up absorbing a lot of it also. So while on the one hand, I think like tone is like the most important thing, I also don't spend that much time on it. I think I spend most of my time learning like bowing phrases and timing. And I think when I feel like when I practice bowing and then I practice timing, like your tone, your classical, your tone ends up being a product a lot from your timing and your bow stroke anyway. So um, yeah. I feel like I absorb a, a lot of it without having to be like not genuine to the, the musician that I am. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Wow, it's, it's really interesting talking to you both as like people who started learning how to talk and learning how to play violin at basically the same time. Like you're, you're both sort of talking about your the violin as, as a voice, you know, and as like mm -hmm. this thing that's mm -hmm. like, like enmeshed with your sort of identity. Like you're talking about your accent. Like it's all, yeah. it almost, you're almost <laughs> talking about the violin, being a violinist or being a fiddler as like an ethnic identity. Almost <laughs> like, it's like really interesting. Um, and even though you come from different like backgrounds, you, yeah, you're, you're talking yeah. about it with that level of, yeah. I mean, I learned a lot about myself when I play the fiddle because I didn't start uh, until very recently um but it's it's not <laughs> it, it's it's learning about what i'm not <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah i don't like yeah it's not like a journaling kind of activity for me or anything that's yeah. really interesting that you pointed it out that way and i think that is a really uh i guess that's a, i hadn't thought of it that way so much but that's actually i think a really apt observation um, yeah, because I didn't start as young as Jesse. I started like when I was nine, but I started mm -hmm. like when I started because I wanted to play the viola, but my best friend mm. wanted to play the violin and she was more headstrong about it. And then she didn't even show up to get the <laughs> instrument. So I ended up playing violin and she didn't wow. play anything. But um, and I guess I think most people are drawn like when are drawn to the fiddle because of or the violin because of the tone like when they're at a young age like they don't really know what styles of music are just like some kids just hear the fit the violin and they like that yeah. sound that it makes and they don't really care they don't care about styles so much yeah but if i had like been 20 
25 when I started playing music and I had been starting the music because I loved country music or because I loved old time music, I probably would have picked a different instrument, honestly. Right. But really, I love these styles of music and this is the instrument that um, I have at hand. And so yes. this is what I use to approach these styles. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, this instrument, uh, you know, it, I've been playing so long that I don't remember what it was like without playing, but it, it, on the same hand, I can tell that it's, it's such a difficult instrument to pick up for people later on, you know, and so... Yeah, it's really cool that you're learning the fiddle. Yeah, people do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my, my partner's been learning banjo. Uh, yeah. So I've been extra motivated to work on my fiddling so that when they're playing banjo, I can yeah. I can play fiddle. So, yeah, um, great. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with banjo duets in my opinion <laughs> also, also in my opinion <laughs> we're friend we're friendly to banjos here cool i'll keep that in mind next time we're in a jam together and there's a banjo already with you uh, okay so let's do one more tune and then talk about where to go to buy your music whether that's yeah. educational or recorded or future performances etc all right, that sounds good. Yeah, we're gonna play? do we're gonna do a tune, another tune off of uh, the album that we recorded recently uh, with our friends Carl Jones, Elizabeth Laprell, and Brian Dolphin, and uh, uh, this one's called "Truck Then a Bird." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
What a cool tune. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> is when, when I put this in the show notes, is there like a... Is there any sort of punctuation there? Is it like truck, comma, the, and then a bird? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, cool. You got it. <laughs> cool. I just wanted to make sure I got it right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an arresting image. Is there like a, a particular story behind it? Yeah. Um, you want to tell it, Sheila? <laughs> well, um, the name came from um, a couple months ago was... National Engineering Week, and okay. um, I teach at the high. I, well, I teach. I teach at the elementary, middle, and high school. But um, my friend teaches art in Chicago, and we grew up together. So we did like a Skype call for our Engineering Week thing, and to her art kids, um, I told them about being an engineer, which is what I did my undergrad in, and then also about being a luthier, which is why studying violin making is why we moved to um, this region in the first place. And so um, I brought like a violin and I brought the parts of another one that I was making and showing all the kids and then, then I played a tune for them. And it was the tune we'd just written, which was yet unnamed. And so I asked them, after playing it, I asked them to name it. <laughs> and well, they were only like five or six. They didn't come up with names, but what they were really good at was like describing what the song made them feel like. <laughs> and like this one kid had this, high praise. Yeah. It was, they, this one kid had this wild journey of like starting in a trick and you're with your family and you're going through the valley and there are cows and uh, then there's a violin and then a bird gets it somehow. The bird swoops down. The bird down swoops down and gets, and gets it and brings it up and then drops it. But then someone catches it. It's okay. I don't know. It was a long story. And I summarized it into truck then a bird. Yeah, we thought it was pretty cool that the kids... Uh, derived that much imagery from the tune. Yeah, another one that I really liked was like um, this one person said it felt like there were a lot of birds following a lot of other birds and the other birds were big birds like hawks and the ones following behind were smaller birds and I was like, that's like a lot of texture. Yeah. That's like a lot of texture. So I really enjoyed that activity. <laughs> And I was very wow. flattered. I was like, dang. Yeah. It makes me feel good about this uh, tune. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's very old time. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of which, where, sh- where do people go to stay up to date with everything you're doing? You have an upcoming album. You have an album that you came out with last year. Where do people get those? How do people stay up to date? Are you on social media? Where do we go? Yeah, so we released our first album last year in July, I think. And uh, that's that's available on all the digital streaming platforms, Spotify, Bandcamp, uh, Google, uh, Google Play, all that stuff. So uh, Apple Music, um, so you can find it there. And that's just a self-titled album, so it's just under Sheila and Jesse. And, um, and then the... You can find our updates on our Facebook page, which is also under Sheila and Jesse. And then uh, we'll we'll be posting about the upcoming album on that page. And then, yeah, also go check out uh, my Patreon page at mafiddle, patreon.com slash mafiddle, where I post, like, uh, you know, instructional material and all that kind of stuff on there. And we're also, both of us are available for that. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, all, uh, both of us are available for uh, private lessons and all that as well. So um, get a hold of us if you're interested. And uh, in terms of news about the upcoming album, we're hoping that we can release that in this summer. And um, we'll we'll be posting that on our Facebook page uh, updates. So yeah, stay tuned. We've got Instas too. 
Yeah, we both got Instagram as well. But and uh, mine is like half baby pictures, so I don't know. If that's <laughs> what people are looking for. Yeah, I, I'm sure a lot of people will be looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's what's your Instagram handle, Sheila Marcosi? Yeah, it's just yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and mine's uh, Ma Fiddle, I believe. <laughs> Thanks so much for giving up a little bit of your uh, or a lot of bit of your Tuesday evening. I know uh, how hard it is to appear at an event uh, together, like with like both partners, and getting the kids to stop doing whatever they're doing, so that you you know that's thank you. I understand and appreciate the work for making it happen. So thank you. Well, thanks a lot for having us. It's been really fun, and uh, it's been, yeah, it's been great meeting you and yeah. playing some tunes. And yeah, we're yeah. looking forward to the podcast. Me too. Well, what should we do for the last tune? Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do one that our friend Elizabeth Laprell wrote for our album, and it's called it Shark Week. So we're gonna we're gonna tune in. Another to, great title. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna tune into G Cross for this one. And, oh, good. Um, get it going right away.
can buy and stream Sheila and Jesse's self-titled album from last year wherever you get your music. I included a link to their Bandcamp in the show notes. Make sure to like and follow them on Facebook and Instagram so you'll be the first to hear updates about their upcoming album with former guests of the show, Elizabeth LaPrell and Carl Jones, and hopefully future guest of the show, Brian Dolphin. Brian, consider this your invitation. And if you're a fiddler looking for some guidance, join Jesse's Patreon over at patreon.com slash mawfiddle. Again, all that is linked in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again to Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp, who are putting on Earful in the Parlor 2 this Saturday, April 24th, from noon until midnight Eastern Time. I hope to see you there. Get tickets at earfuloffiddle.com. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional claw hammer banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.